healing with Tendai Angela, where we dismantle what wellness means and speak to practitioners, industry leaders, brand owners, and creatives. We discuss their journey, practice, and the importance of inclusivity and diversity within the industry. Today, we are thrilled to have yogi, business owner, mom, and spokesperson, Krista Janine. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. And the crowd goes wild. Krista, I'm absolutely overjoyed to finally speak to you, to sit in this space with intention. And I would like to just jump in and start with who are you and what sustains you? Hmm, who am I? You know, I, I think I, in my like depths and like just going in line with my purpose in life, I'm very much so like a nurturer and a an educator right and all that I do um and the things that sustain me and really like give me just focus and purpose to keep pushing is like helping people understand their true like purpose and their true reality that they're not quite seeing um and helping them get to that next phase of their life where they actually are in complete control of their narrative and not just like allowing society to dictate how they behave and what they do and what they're capable of. So that would probably be it in a nutshell. I absolutely love that. Why do you think owning your narrative is so important? Because I, I think the society that we live in has taught us that there is like a path that we're all supposed to take. And this path will lead to success. It will lead to prosperity. It will lead to the joy that we're all seeking in life. But because we're all different, we're all different human beings, we all have different purposes, we all have different paths, we all have different, you know, passions, it's unrealistic to think that one path is going to sustain all of the people that live in the world, right? All the mm. people that live in the United States. So for people to really say, no, this is what I'm supposed to do, it might not be what everybody else is doing, but I know this is my path, it gives you ownership of the life you live, and you honestly will get to where you're going a lot quicker as opposed to trying to take a route that's not the route meant for you just because somebody told you to do it. So it's so important for us to actually be like the lead character in our own story. And so often we're not. Oh, 100%. Be the protagonist of your own story and allow that to happen. I even saw with your tattoo that you have on your wrist where it says mogul mindset. Yeah. <laughs> and moguls, <laughs> moguls do not... And that's, and I think that's why it's so profound and why I got the tattoo in the first place, because moguls do not follow the beaten path. Everyone mm. that we look at and we're like, you're amazing. I want to be like you, like Jeff Bezos, you know, Steve Jobs before he passed, even Beyonce and Jay-Z. It's like, they're not following the path that everyone else told them they should do, whether it's in their industry, whether it's in their family, what have you, they're doing their own thing because they trust themselves. They trust their higher power to lead them. They trust their intuition and it works for them. And they're also not afraid to like lose. Like failure is a part of it. And I think that's the biggest thing that keeps most people where they are because they are afraid to fail. And it's like, if you want to succeed, you have to be okay with failing. 
Mm, 100%. I actually saw a clip of Jay-Z talking about failure, but also like trust as well in the trust in the path that you are leading. Mm-hmm. Um, and this comes into diversity as well, because, you know, well-being means something different to everyone. And we think it's important. Well, I think it's so important to promote that, to understand your journey. And I would like to find out what does well-being mean to you and how is well-being being a part of your success because this is your career yeah um you know for me I think well-being it, it shifts right it shifts depending on what I'm doing but me my overall well-being is very much so dictated by what I am doing so for a long time I like tried to have a regular nine-to-five job and like do a traditional work path but that's just not conducive to who I am as a person like me trying to solely do one thing completely is unrealistic for how I'm wired it literally makes me depressed and it gives me anxiety um so in order for me to truly thrive I have to be doing like multiple things at once, whether that's like my business and my like job. Cause right now I do have a nine to five, but I'm still doing my business. I'm a mom. Like I'm making sure I'm doing stuff with my kid and like he's thriving and I coach his like sports teams and stuff. So for me, it really is like not pigeonholing myself into thinking I have to do one thing. Um, It's funny because I just came across a quote that I used to hate, but now I actually love it because the quote is like um, a jack of all trades, master of none. And that's where it stops, right? (laughs) I just had a conversation about this. Yeah, carry on. The full quote is actually a jack of all trade, a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And no one ever says the rest of it. And I think that's so important because my entire life, like I've been told that like a jack of all trades is a master of none because I've always done a lot of things. But now I'm like, oh, this is actually like a good thing that I do all these things. Because even like the original origins of that quote, it was a compliment. It wasn't like a derogatory statement or telling people they needed to focus on one thing. That's not what it was at all. It was actually telling people being able to do a lot of different things is actually very good for you because you'll be more beneficial to more people, right? So your reach will be expanded or you'll just be able to do like more things and help where you are. So I think that we have to get out of that mindset that you're only supposed to be doing one thing. And for me, in order to fully thrive and like feel like I am living in my well-being and like not losing my mind, I can't just do one thing at a time. I would go crazy. Mm-hmm. But also multifaceted human beings. That's exactly what we are. Yeah. So if you are a jack of all trades. You are just in your creative nature and yeah. you are flowing with your own innate spiritual being in right. order to be creative and to be the creator and the designer of your own life. As you said, owning your own character, owning your own narrative. Yeah. And, and I also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I also think that it's just, it's important to know who you are, right? Because some people, they do need to be really good at one thing and focus on one thing and that's their pocket and that's how they like live and thrive. And I think once again, just being in charge of yourself and knowing yourself allows you to figure out what lane that you're supposed to be in because everybody isn't meant to do everything, you know? Hmm. Um, who do you think perpetuated this idea? Because I had first come across this idea of focusing on one thing 
from Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, and having your 10,000 hours. And 10,000 hours makes you a master at anything that you do. And I have been completely wronged in this, even in my own yoga journey. I was like, okay, I'm going to put in 10,000 hours. I'm going to be a master at this. But without realizing that, hey, Tendai, there's so many other aspects of you that you are able to be the person because you are a whole person in order to become the the mogul that you want to be. Yeah. So when was this first rooted? When was the seed first put into our minds? I mean, it's childhood. I like literally I've been hearing this my entire life, but and like and I I and it's funny because I bring everything back to colonization because I really don't think people understand how how impactful that aspect of like conquering the world is still impacting us today. And this idea that like the white male was the standard of everything. And that in order to be successful, you have to follow this, like, whatever, this standard of success, standard of, you know, prosperity, what have you, even in regards to like the BMI chart, like that was based off of like white men, you know, in different stages of their lives, what have you. So I think for all of us, we are living in a very patriarchal society that's based off of like whiteness and white maleness specifically. And, and I mean, not to downplay like men, but men just can't do as much as women. That's not how their brains are wired. And I hate to be that person, but it's, it's true. Um, I want you to be that person, Krista, (laughs) be this person. I am here to empower you on this. I'm your hype man, be that person. But yeah, it's true. Men need to focus on one thing at a time and they do it very good and they're successful in that. And then you have women who do everything else, right? Like even if you look at the dynamics of like a husband and a wife and we're slowly getting away from that, but still very much so in the traditional sense, the the wife is working full time, taking care of the kids, managing the house. And then the guy just gets to go to work and like whatever. And sometimes they participate in other things, but a lot of times they don't because they have to focus on this one thing in order for it to be successful, which isn't wrong. It's not bad. But at the same time, we all also need to understand women are are not designed that way. And we can do a lot of different things at once. And I mean, even to that point, like some men are able to manage their lives and pockets better than others. But some people just have to focus on one thing. And because who those people are, which is mostly like white men and what we base our like idea of success off of in this country and in many countries, Um, that's where this idea came from because people everything in our society is created for us to feel less than so everything right especially people of color everything that you hear that you see that you like are ingesting you have to question it to a certain extent because the masters of this great design created this space for us to not feel like we were supposed to be successful and that we were less than right So it all is the origin of colonization, slavery, you know, like all of that is what we're still living in and trying to rectify to this day. And that is one of the lingering ramifications of of colonization, right? Is that you're supposed to do one thing and just do it really well. Hmm. So then how do you help people to believe, especially people of color and indigenous people to believe in their power again, especially with the history that we have had? Yeah, and, and I think again to believe in well-being. Yeah, and, and I think, well-being. I think that it's interesting because I feel like 
those two demographics in, in particular are very spiritual people. But I feel like because of the history of America specifically, that a lot of those traditions and a lot of those spiritual practices haven't like been sustained, but slowly and surely with like this generation and the generation directly after us. So the millennials and then Gen X, they're trying to get back to their spirituality. And I think you see a lot of young people trying to understand the spiritual practices of their ancestors and trying to understand mm -hmm. the spiritual practices that were successful you know, in the past and finding those elders who can still teach them these things because they don't know, right? It's been lost in translation. Everyone wanted to assimilate into society so they would be thought of as like not savages, which anyway. Um, so I think that's part of it is like, for, for people of color specifically, and specifically Black people and Native Americans, that is so deeply rooted in who we are. But the more you start tapping into your spirituality, the more you start to see things more clearly, right? And the deeper you go with it, the more you reach a state of like enlightenment, if you will, where it's like, you can understand the connections between the past and the present. You can understand how you're supposed to navigate in the space versus somebody else, right? Like I can have a conversation with somebody and I can immediately tell them what their gifts are, what they're supposed to be doing in life, like what, where they would thrive and the vice versa, right? And I'm like, you're heading down this way, but like, do you want to do that? Like, why are you doing this? And it's interesting because I can't necessarily say when I was younger, I was able to do it as well, but it's always been a part of who I am, just understanding people. But that's also like a spiritual like intuition, right? And a lot of times we aren't taught to lean into that. We're taught to lean into our education. We're taught to lean into sports. We're taught to lean into all these other aspects of our life, but we're mm -hmm. not taught to like hone our spiritual gifts. Yes. And I think just getting you know, black and brown people, indigenous people to sit in their space and like understand this is a part of our ancestry, like innately, that in itself helps because it makes more sense. When you bring it to people from a state, from a place of like, oh, this is who you are. Like this is already in you. You just have to tap into it. It's easier for them to digest. And as opposed to you like trying to bring in a different culture, a different ideology into the space, they're not gonna like sit in it as well. But I mean, I'm like, I'm black. I like being black. Like anybody that follows me on Instagram understands like, I'm not, you know, looking to do anything else, but you have to be authentic when you deliver the message. So people know it is for them and they don't have to be somebody else to receive it. Hmm. You know, Krista, I see you as that person. You're the catalyst for that. Because I envision a world where indigenous groups, people of color, black people, various body sizes, the LGBTQ folk are seen and take up space. Yeah. You know, the global wellness market is estimated at about 1.5 trillion with an annual growth of five to 10%. I cannot help but feel that there is a huge demographic that is not benefiting and the lack of diversity is jarring to me. How do you think that these groups, minority groups, practitioners and consumers can gain and reap the rewards economically, spiritually, mentally, and physically? So I think it's interesting because financially it's, it's gonna be hard. And this is why I say this. And I had this conversation with somebody recently because another issue with systemic racism is how 
the wealth is dispersed and not just like the wealth in regards like how people are spending their money but the wealth in regards to how people are able to make money so that being said it is very hard for people of color to get a business loan it's even harder for women of color to get a business loan so when you start thinking about economic growth right and starting business and creating these spaces for people of color to come in and have a space that you know really embodies them and and projects what they're feeling into the world right you have to think about it from a financial standpoint. We don't have the financial capital to do that. We don't have the financial backing to do that. And it's not necessarily a good financial investment for people who would be interested in it, right? Because a lot mm-hmm. of people of color don't do yoga, right? And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, if you do this, you're you know, going against God. Like, I still have to have those conversations with people. I'm like, this isn't just like girl me too thing right so it's like you we have to think about it from that standpoint too from like a business standpoint financially doesn't make sense for there to be yoga studios in the hood right because it's yeah. like who's gonna go but then you have to think about it from a standpoint of like short-term loss long-term gain and mm. I don't think we're in a space yet for that to really happen and I also don't think we have anyone that can truly do that. And I, when I say that, it's like, you would need like a Beyonce to be like, we're going to open all these yoga studios, like in South Central and you should come do yoga with me and you know, what have you. And that's just not her passion. And we wouldn't want her to do that because it wouldn't be authentic, but that's the type of energy and synergy you need behind a wellness movement in the black community. It has to be a black voice that is elevated that people really lean into I mean because even when you think about therapy it's like when people started talking about therapy black people started going to therapy more now black people talk about therapy like it's no big deal and yeah there's still some black people that don't believe in therapy but a large majority of us are like going to therapy and thinking Mm -hmm. about our mental health and I think the same shift will have to happen in the wellness industry as well like you know, you have people trying, but there hasn't been a, a loud enough and uh, trusting, trusted voice to say that this is what you need. And like, as somebody who works in media and works in communication mm-hmm. as well, like I know it's not enough to just tell somebody it's good for them. Like they have to see it to believe it, but then they also have to like buy into it. And we don't have anybody that they're willing to buy into yet. So you it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's, it'll definitely be interesting to like, see what happens in the next 10 years. Cause I mean, I remember when I first started doing yoga, I was always the only black person there. And now it's like so many black people are doing yoga and they're trying it and like all the things. Um, I even posted about this yesterday where it was like, I'm tired of trying to convince people that they don't have to be flexible to be, to do yoga and they don't have to be like a certain size. I'm like, I'm not having this conversation with you when you're ready to do yoga. Like come talk to me, (laughs) but I'm not, I'm not (laughs) indulging anymore. Like this is ridiculous. Like I've been telling you this for 10 years. Like you've seen me do yoga. Like I don't, I don't understand anyway. But so I think it's like one of those things where you just, it's just like people have to see it like so many times before they're even given a try. And also it goes into like having good yoga instructors that are supportive and helpful and like know what they're doing. Because another thing that we don't talk about is like when people of color do enter these spaces, they aren't treated well, they don't have a good experience so then they don't go back. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, there's so many things that have to happen in order for this to be a successful process, but we just don't have, we don't have like the, the synergy behind it yet it's it's everything hasn't aligned in a way for it to like pop 
but I do feel like it's coming. I don't feel like we're so far away from it, um, but we're just not quite there yet. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard one. Cause I don't, I don't have the answer for that. Like I know why it's not happening, but I don't know how to make it happen. And I think that's something that's like really interesting to, to sit in. Cause like, I can see it clearly. I know exactly why, why, you know, black and brown people and indigenous people aren't doing it. Um, but it's like, I don't know how to make them want to, I guess is the, is the thing. No, I completely get that because it then also comes into representation mm-hmm. where, as you talked about the competency of the yoga teacher, but also the proficiency of the yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. But um, each time I go onto a yoga website or a yoga studio, I'm only seeing white bodies. Mm-hmm. Do you think that representation of Black bodies or people of color or Indigenous people or LGBTQ would actually change that? Yeah, and I think would we're it, slowly... Would it put something in to say, hey, I would actually like try that because you see yourself? Yeah, and I think it's a slippery slope because, yes, I do feel like that is going to be beneficial, but I also feel like these brands and yoga companies are tokenizing their black employees, Mm -hmm. their black person, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're black, like, come. Like, I have a friend and I love her to pieces, um, male. And she's like black and she's a lesbian and she's great and she's Puerto Rican. So it's like, she has all the things, like she's super diverse. And you see it, how brands use her. And don't get me wrong, like she's definitely like a great yogi and like she deserves it but we all have these conversations often where it's like we know this brand is using us specifically yeah when you're being exploited yeah how does she deal with the exploitation of it I think all of us like go through this space of like okay somebody has to do it and I would rather be the person to have to do this so people can at least see it than it not be there at all. And I think that's the space that you see a lot of Black creators, a lot of Black fitness instructors, a lot of just Black people living life, like sitting in that space of like, I know that this is like a little effed up, but I have to sit in this so somebody else won't have to sit in this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's that space of like understanding your purpose in a space, right? Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes we don't give ourselves enough credit to understand this is why I should do this. And this is why I shouldn't do that. And you know what I mean? And I think there's a nice balance between the two because some brands I don't work with because I'm like, I'm absolutely not doing that. What's the (laughs) point? But there's other brands where I'm like, okay, this could actually be beneficial to other people. Like I did an aloe campaign I don't know, I guess back in April and they're still running the ad and almost every day people are sending me the ad and they're like, oh, it's so great to see somebody that like represents me being like, you know, the goal and not the before, right? Because I think that's another thing that people often see with like larger bodies. It's like, oh, how did I go from this to this? And it's like, okay, but you could just be there and, and happy too. So I think it's like one of those things where people do, they get excited about it and 
and you want that excitement because you want them to benefit but then you're also like man I would love it if there were other black people here too so it's like it's it's one of those things where you have to kind of bend a little bit so you can open the market more and I think we're all living in a space of figuring out when to bend and when not to Hmm. um Krista do you believe that bigger bodies or people of color are a special population within yoga? I mean, I don't think so. And this is the only reason why I say this, because it's like, it blows my mind because I've never been a small girl, never been a small girl. And I've always been athletic. I've always, you know, in in high school, I ran track, I played soccer, I was on the swim team. Like, you know, I've never not done things, even in college. Like I was the girl in the gym all the time, like working out. The only reason why I found yoga, honestly, is because I would see people coming out of the studio, like dripping in sweat, and I wanted to know what they were doing. So I don't think it's a special population. I think it can be a special population, but I don't think it necessarily has to be you know, has to be a demographic of like special population. Same with Mm. pregnant women. When I was pregnant, I worked out the entire time I was pregnant. I didn't need modifications. I didn't need variations. Like, you know what I mean? Like I did the yoga that I wanted to do and it was fine. And I did a lot of fitness while I was pregnant. So I think it's once again, one size does not fit all. And I think for us to automatically assume if people of color walk into the studio, they don't know what they're doing. Or if bigger people walk into the studio, they can't like, hold themselves up and they don't have muscle mass when it's like that's not necessarily true you don't know why somebody is a bigger a larger body that's step one and step two you don't know what they're capable of because you don't know them and I think we have to stop prejudging people based on what we think is their reality and just ask them like that's one of the biggest things from my like diversity and inclusion workshop I'm like don't assume things about people just ask them the questions that you need to ask them and then go forward so I wouldn't, I would say no, but I also wouldn't categorize pregnant women as a special population because you don't, once again, you don't know what this woman is capable of. And the last thing she wants you to do is tell her what she can't do when she already has all these other things she can't do. Like let her do her yoga. Shut up. 100%. (laughs) And what would you actually think that white yoga teachers need to work on in terms of racial equity and not prejudging they just need to understand culture and like that's the biggest thing like white people don't have to know about anything but white people and that's their biggest flaw like that's your biggest loss as a white person who only knows about whiteness it has not educated yourself on any other culture even if it's even if it's like lgbtqia culture like you don't know you know very much so cis white waspy reality right and that's not what the majority of this country is (laughs) this is not you know and not the world like that's not the reality that we live in and in order for you to be successful you have to know about other people like the reason why I am successful is because I know I know once again jack of all trades I know a little bit about a lot of things and sometimes knowing a little bit about a lot is enough for you to break down those walls that people have up so you can connect with them. But if you don't have any point of reference, right? Or you're basing everything that you know and experience off of your whiteness, there's no way for me to relate for you, relate to you. I'm not white, I don't know, I don't know. And then now I have to try to figure out how to relate to you because I don't want you to feel uncomfortable 
And it's like, as a black woman, I got to do that all the time where I'm not trying to do it is at the yoga studio. So, and I, I think that's something that we don't talk about is about like black yogis that have been doing yoga for like a long time and all the, <laughs> the shenanigans that we've had to kind of endure <laughs> and navigate. Oh, yeah. And like, people don't think about that. It's like, I'm going into this space for my well-being because I want X, Y, and Z, but now I got to navigate your stupid behind because you don't know nothing about Black people. And you want to ask me about my hair. You want to ask me about whatever. And like, today, I don't care. Like, leave me alone, you know? But as Black women specifically, I feel like we always feel like we have to like educate people and help them like be better and sometimes you don't want to do that like not the yoga studio like I don't want to do that today like that's not why I came here so white people do you think that if white people and white yoga teachers specifically got more education on critical race theory or understanding of black culture I can't even say that but um understanding of how to relate that or diversity that it would be better for seeing more black people in a yoga studio because just like yeah. you i am always the only black person in a yoga studio yeah the it's so the thing is it's like it's so hard to say because i feel like and i was working with somebody and i'm not gonna mention them because she's actually a lovely person she's just a little short-sighted um and, and I was doing things with her and like, it was very much so in the vein of like um, the Black Lives Matter like movement where everybody was like protesting last year because of George Floyd and everybody's like, I want equity. I want all the things. Um, and she like made all these promises to me and wanted me to like come work on her team. Cause she was like, well, I don't want to just have you be our diversity and inclusion trainer. Like I want you to do other stuff. Like clearly you're, you know, I've been teaching yoga for 10 years. Like like leading trainings and all the things and she was like you know I would love to have you do all the stuff whatever and I was like okay so I reached out to her and then I reached out to her again like it's like crickets and I think the other conversation that we don't have is calling people out after like you know the news cycle has ended and after we're not marching in the streets it's like but are you actually trying to create a space that is a space of equity and inclusion, or did you just want to be on the bandwagon for that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And specifically with studios and like big yoga brands, it's like, don't just offer a scholarship to people of color and then not hire them. And don't just offer a scholarship to people and not try to search for skilled and seasoned people of color to have on your team. It's uh, it's an and both situation. It's not an either or. Like, there's no more giving people passes. And I think we're all in a space of being like, oh, yeah, you don't just get to like give people a pass because they did one thing. Like, I don't care. I have to do a bunch of things at the same time all the time. All right. Mm-hmm. So why should you not? So it's just it's so hard to say because people get on the bandwagon when it's trendy right and I'm gonna put up my black square and I'm gonna do all the things but then now it's like well where y'all black squares at now things still aren't good for black people things still aren't good for people of color there's still children in like detention centers away from their parents at the border like there's still things that are wrong with the world (laughs) like Mm -hmm. but it's almost like people get 
get bored of it and it's like you can't get bored of it like if you actually care but that's about the other crazy humans, thing is that that's a part of the yogi lifestyle is to actually care to cause no harm and to actually speak about things because that's fariyaya which is your self-study mm-hmm. but i mean there's so many things about and that's that's one of the big things that we dive into when I talk about my diversity and inclusion, but I even have like a yoga and social justice workshop. I do. I'm like, guys, you're not paying attention because you don't want to, but this is directly like you want to talk about the eight limb path. It's in correlation. You want to make the world better. Like these are basic things that you have to do, but it's trendy. And like, and I hate to keep using that word, but it's so true. People aren't actually seeking their enlightened state they want to act like they know about yoga and they want to say we live in this space and they want to tell you you're being divisive when you say that we're racist and non-inclusive. But it's like, I'm not being divisive. I'm being honest. You're not trying to bring in people of color. You're not trying to reach out to community members. You're not trying to do any of that. You want your little bubble. You want your boutique yoga studio and you want to live your life. And it's like, that's fine. But then don't call yourself a wellness professional. (laughs) Like, you can't have both. (laughs) So what is your dream for the yoga and wellness industry and world? You know, it's so funny because people ask me this question often. And it's, it's very simple. I just want everybody to have access to the spaces that I've had access to. And like, I can say I've lived a privileged life. Like I didn't grow up in poverty. I, poverty, I grew up with a two-parent household. I went to college. I have two master's degrees. Like my life is not by any means what was me, but at the same time, I do feel like there's a space of equity that all of us can live in. And it it really will come to the point where you see like yoga studios in black and brown neighborhoods, where you see retreats and we're seeing this slowly and surely, right? That are black yoga retreats that are, you know, Latina yoga retreats, what have you. And people are really understanding the benefit of why yoga is important for all of us. And also, and this is something that I really hope is that more of these brands not only have people of color on their executive board, but someone, right? And I don't know who this someone is, but there then becomes a black brand that's also as competitive as your core power yogas, right? Or your yoga box or what have you. And it's definitely possible, but it comes to the point of like, one, who's going to do it and who, who is willing to like invest in that reality. So that is my, my hope is that there's more people of color running things and in spaces to say, we should be doing this. We should be doing that even in regards to brands, right? Like you look at Aloe Yoga, you look at Lululemon, you know, even some of the other brands I use like Sweaty Betty, there are people of color like on their teams, but like not at the top. And it's just like, how do we then create our own things that are just as like valuable, right? Um, And you think about like FUBU, right? And when I think about FUBU or even Carol's daughter, it's like, but then they sold to like these larger white brands and not that it's not a good business choice and not that I don't understand why they did it because it does make sense. And that is how you expand the market and get more black and brown voices in the spaces. But in my mind, it's like, there has to be a way that we can create it ourselves. And right, and then you look at Rihanna and you're like, yeah, there is a way for us to do it. Billionaire. Right. And I think, and you know, it's crazy because you look at Rihanna and you look at Beyonce and not to go off on a tangent here, but 
Rihanna has her stuff, right? And like you have Savage X Fenty, you have Fenty Beauty, you have Fenty Skin. Um, she has a new like couture line that she's doing now. And she has all control over all of that. Beyonce and Ivy Park, and not that Beyonce is like not successful. Like, let's just be honest. She's <laughs> Beyonce, Beyonce. Beyonce. Beyonce is Beyonce. But then you look at like this Ivy Park Adidas collaboration and you're like, should have, should Beyonce have just like tried to figure out how to make Ivy Park work by itself? Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Because but now also the same thing as Nike and Serena yeah. and Levi and Osaka. Like it's mm -hmm. exactly it's exactly. And like when you think about the most successful people, it's all about vertical integration. Mm -hmm. The moment you bring in a third party and you got that middleman, mm -hmm. you're not you don't get the whole pie anymore. So I think it's figuring out how how to create a space like Fenty as opposed to a space like Ivy Park. And I think that's the best example I could give. It's like, how do we create a yoga space that is black owned, black operated, black controlled, and still have it be successful and people buy into it without having to then collaborate with another entity that's already here. I mean, it's the same with Oprah and OWN. OWN is now under Discovery and Discovery has like, um, Discovery has, um, oh, what's it called? Discovery has rights over OWN, right? So like OWN isn't the controlling entity anymore. Discovery is now because they have 51% and OWN is 59. So it's like Discovery still gets to make the final say and they still get the biggest like pot and all the things. So it's figuring out, right? Because it's possible and people have done it. It's figuring out how do we, how do we keep controlling like interest in our company mm. as it grows because it's hard because it is very hard yes and Krista I actually have got two more questions for you okay your social media channel I absolutely love it because your posts exude a lot of purpose and vulnerability what is your main message that you would shout from the mountaintop for all to hear I think that people really need to understand is like the bad things that happen in our lives are not bad. <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy, but like every bad situation that you have to endure, it's just preparing you for something else. And I think that shift in your mindset is so profound. It, it helps you navigate life and keep going in such a way because you know there's a reason behind it. Even if you don't understand the reason, you know it has a purpose. And I think people really sitting in that and understand that life is happening for you and not to you, it makes you look at life differently. And it makes you make different choices in, in the bad situation. Yes. So I think that is my biggest thing that I want people to understand like don't look at bad things as bad look at them as like pushing you forward to the next stage of your life because you needed to go forward <clears throat> mm. and this is exactly what you have within your course um trauma to triumph yeah yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> I've just signed on to it so I'm yeah incredibly excited to go through this with you yeah, and yeah. to see because you are such a force of nature and I wanted to also ask what do you define as your superpower um 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Girl, my you're superpower. Super, you're super, like you super woman. Right. <laughs> I think, you know, what's crazy. But it doesn't I, have I to do, be one. Right. I think the thing about me that's most like, um, I guess most super, right? For lack of a better term. And it's really interesting because I just did my human design um, mapping recently. Yes. What were you? I'm a manifester and it makes so much sense. Beautiful. Like that is indeed my superpower. Mm-hmm. Like when I say things, then they happen. And not like then they happen. Like I don't do anything to make them happen, but I say things and then I start down the path of like heading in that direction and then they happen. And I think for me, for the longest time in life, I never saw that. I would say stuff and then I would do stuff. And, you know, and my friends for years would always be like, yeah, girl, you say stuff. And you're like the one person I believe that when you say it, you're going to do it because you do. And I don't think I ever like thought of it as anything like, I'm like, yeah, so does everybody else. Don't everybody do that? Like, doesn't that how life works? Apparently not. So I think, (laughs) I think manifestation is one of the things that is like really a superpower for me. And I think now that I understand it a little better. I'm, I'm using it more to really like be specific about what I want and how I want it and what I envision things to be. Um, because I, I thoroughly have a vision of what I want, like my global brand to look like in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that is one of my biggest, biggest superpowers. Hmm. Krista, you are a complete mogul already inside my eyes. You are a queen. You are incredible. And you exude a lot of power. I wanted to thank you so much for being here today, for being amazing. You are freaking amazing. And I appreciate you being a part of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you having me so, so much. And like, like I said, it's just, it's nice to have these conversations. It's nice to hold space with people that actually get it and that understand what's happening in the world globally, but also like internally. And I think you have to have both to be successful. Hmm. Well, here's a cheers to success for both of us. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think I'm, I'm so grateful to be here one. But I'm excited to see where this podcast goes as well, because I I love podcasts. I love having these conversations and hearing these conversations. So thank you for doing this and creating this space um, as well. I do appreciate it. Most welcome. I'm always here to hold space so that we can all grow. I told you about my vision before, and I'm not going to stop until that happens. I want us to be powerful. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree. I love that. Sit in your power, ladies and gentlemen, whoever is reading this, listening to this, sit in your power and do not be afraid of it. 100% live in your strength. Yes, absolutely.